Chapter Eighteen of The Widow Married, a sequel to The Widow Barnaby by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eighteen Natural Antipathy and Strong Affection. Necessity owns no laws but her own. The Miss Perkinses own this solemn truth and prepare to leave Brighton. Friendship makes an effort to prevent it, but fails. Lights and shadows of love notwithstanding the sudden departure of general hubert and his family the memory of their greatness like the light diffusing tail of a comet remained behind them and mrs o'donagough continued to be a person of unquestionable importance with all her brighton acquaintance the circle indeed was not a large one her affections as she observed to every member of it having been too much centred on her own relations to leave her leisure for cultivating the miscellaneous friendship of the world at large i know this is not right said she i am quite aware that it is one's duty to be condescending and civil to everybody but with me it is always the heart that speaks and it would be in vain to attempt struggling with my affection for my darling niece mrs hubert and her dear family they have made me positively neglect everybody else but i cannot help it those who know her will appreciate the attraction and forgive me while by those who do not i must submit to be accounted fastidious exclusive and most abominably proud mr o'donagough who when he was not meditating on matters more important would frequently derive considerable amusement from listening to his wife now and then indulged in a little quiet quizzing at her expense but she had too much good sense to take a great deal of notice of it and generally contrived indeed to end by having much the best of it in her own opinion one point on which he particularly liked to attack her was on the change in their relative positions as to their intercourse with the stephenson family he remembered their first visit and the secondary party had acted upon that occasion which he loved to contrast with the one now allotted him i cannot think how it is my dear that you see so very little of your own near connection mrs stephenson while i am got so pleasantly intimate with her husband but it seems really as if you counted for nothing with them said he the reason for that is plain enough mr o'donagough i cannot abide that little idiot woman in fact i perfectly hate the sight of her odious doll lolling almost at full length in her open carriage just to make everybody stare at her with a dozen children like so many monkeys stuck up behind and before to make up the show don't agitate yourself my dear resumed the gentleman in a mild voice though i cannot greatly wonder at your feeling vexed she really takes no more notice of you than if you were no relation at all and considering how remarkably affectionate you are to all your cousins it must be very trying you may keep your pity to yourself mr o'donagough and if you fancy i am affronted you were never more deceived in your life besides you mistake the matter altogether the fact is she is all but blind poor thing and i don't choose to be always bawling after her as the carriage drives along but it is most preposterously out of the question to suppose for a moment that she would dare to cut me well my dear i dare say you know best but sometimes it looks very like it nonsense o'donagough cut me indeed when her own father dear affectionate creature perfectly dotes upon me he treats me a thousand times more like a sister than a sister-in-law and bless him i love him in return as a real sister should and so he shall find i can tell her as soon as he comes back to england for let him be where he will in town or country i am quite determined to be near him people as sincerely attached as we are cannot bear to be long parted 
some weeks more of fine autumn weather passed away during which the o'donagough family and their little coterie continued to enjoy the sea-breezes in each other's society in the most fashionable manner some desultory conversations occasionally arose between the ci-devant major and his lady as to what they were to do and where they were to go next on all these occasions mr o'donagough permitted his wife to talk almost as much as she liked without uttering a word that deserved the name of contradiction but though she laid down very plainly what he had best do and what of course he would do and what it would be perfect madness if he did not do the subject always came to a close without leaving her at all wiser respecting his real intentions than when it began meanwhile patty was enjoying herself greatly for though as she ingenuously confessed to her friend matilda she had no one beau in particular there was not one of the set except foxcroft who did not make a little love to her whenever they had the opportunity but a heavy blow was about to disturb her tranquillity the miss perkinses having by this time in the most ladylike and respectable manner expended the sum whatever it might have been destined for their marine excursion had been one morning looking anxiously over all their little accounts and had reluctantly decided that it was quite time to return to their first floor at bellevue terrace prompton for the remainder of the passing year and the first seven months of the next they had just mutually exchanged the melancholy words yes we must go when their beloved patty with her accustomed vehemence of vivacity bounced into the room what a hateful bad day it is for the glass she exclaimed rushing to the window which a driving rain from the south-west had obliged the sisters reluctantly to close not a soul to be seen in the sea or out of it isn't it a bore alas my dearest patty replied miss matilda vexing as it is to see the rain fall so i have got something at my heart worse than that why you haven't seen foxcroft go by without looking in or anything of that sort have you replied the sympathizing young girl with a significant smile no patty no not that i really don't believe there is any danger of it replied matilda with a heavy sigh poor foxcroft poor dear fellow he little thinks how soon all our delightful evenings in that dear drawing-room upstairs will be over over echoed patty why what's in the wind now the route isn't come is it not for him patty but it has come for me what do you mean matilda only too truly what i say dearest think what i feel when i tell you that my sister has received a letter from london this morning which renders it absolutely necessary that we should return home immediately stuff and nonsense replied patty i should like to know what there is to make you two go if you choose to stay what's the good of being old maids of course i don't mean you matilda for i really don't believe you will be one in the end but what's the good of having nobody in the world belonging to you if you can't stay when you please and go when you please business my dear you know must be minded said miss louisa rather mysteriously well then let miss louisa go by herself said the lively patty she is old enough to walk alone and i neither can nor will be left here without you to walk with matilda you shan't budge a step till we go too dear darling creature exclaimed miss matilda in a burst of enthusiastic fondness while a delightful hope flashed through her mind that it was possible mrs o'donagough to please her daughter might ask her to remain as their guest after her sister went so overwhelming was this sudden hope that it almost choked her and pressing both her hands upon her heaving breast she looked in the face of her young friend with the most touching expression imaginable patty inherited a considerable portion of her mother's acuteness and saw in a moment what her friend had got in her head 
the idea accorded perfectly with her own inclination which would have prompted her at once to offer the half of her own little bed rather than be left without a friend and confidant but she remembered her papa and remembered too the cold meat dinners which frequently graced their domestic board so she prudently restrained her hospitality and only said stop a minute matilda i want to speak to mamma and you must not stir till i come back again darling girl i know what she has gone for exclaimed the agitated matilda as soon as the door was closed oh louisa i shall be perfectly wild with joy if she succeeds i do assure you very seriously that i think foxcroft means to propose to me you need not shake your head so gloomily my dear i know you are thinking how often i have been disappointed before but certainly no one can be so good a judge as myself what his manner is besides louisa if the o'donagoughs invite me i should like to accept it whether i am right or wrong about foxcroft but this i will say that if he really does mean nothing it is better for my peace of mind that i should find it out at once and if i do find him to be such a villain i shall soon cease to care about him i can promise you that you may depend upon it my dear i shall spend nothing not a single sixpence after you are gone excepting about eighteen pence a week for my washing while the ardent matilda thus pleaded her own cause below stairs her faithful friend was not less eloquent above she had however a tougher listener to deal with so here you are together that's right said she as she entered the drawing-room with an assured step and confiding spirit i have got something that i want to say to you both and what may that be miss bright-eyes demanded her father i'll tell you in no time replied the young lady approaching him but please to remember papa that this time you must let me have my own way or you and i shall be too indeed and pray what's in the wind now what do you think both of you of the perkinses being going away no are they indeed cried mrs o'donagough never mind patty we shall not be long behind them added her husband but i don't choose to be behind them at all papa replied the young lady that's nonsense patty i won't have you go trying to fix their starting for just the same day as ours i don't want to have my travelling ways spied into by anybody and that i should have thought you might have known by this time oh yes papa i know all that of course but as i have chosen matilda perkins for my particular friend she must not be counted as anybody and what i have come for now is to say that you must let me invite her to stay behind her sister and sleep with me you shall do no such thing miss patty i promise you replied her papa and if you have got into the scrape of asking her with your eyes shut you may get out of it as you can with your eyes open and now come here he continued holding out both his hands to invite her approach i have something to say to you patty felt a prodigiously strong inclination to snap her fingers and run out of the room but she fortunately gave a glance at the expressive countenance of her parent and then walked quietly enough towards him placing her hands in his now then martha o'donagough he said listen to a word or two and take my advice when i tell you to remember them i never will now or ever suffer any human being man woman or child except servants to enter my house as an inmate you are but a baby miss patty with all your cleverness as to the ways of the world or you would understand the wisdom of this but whether you understand it or not remember it and remember too if you please that though i give you free leave to make as many friends as you like and talk to them early and late of your bonnets and bows i will lock you up upon bread and water as sure as you stand there if i ever catch you uttering a single syllable about me or my house or my friends or anything that i do or anything that i say 
don't fancy patty that i shall not find it out i have not lived for nothing my dear and what i want to know i generally get at first or last ask your mamma mrs o'donagough though possessed in no common degree of the courage and confidence produced by the consciousness of great mental power and no woman could have a much higher idea of her own ability felt nevertheless something exceedingly like awe as she now listened to her husband she often indeed felt that she did not fully comprehend him that there were still many peculiarities in his character that she could not quite make out and that although as she constantly assured herself and patty she was not in the least bit afraid of him some feeling which she could not exactly describe generally in all their little disputes led her to the conclusion that it might be as well not to defy him it was this which made her when thus appealed to immediately answer mind what he says to you patty there's a good girl of course he knows best and when he speaks in earnest as he does now it would be very silly and wrong not to mind so say nothing at all patty to matilda about staying i can't say i should much approve it myself she has always seen everything about us quite genteel and what's the good of letting her know what we like to do when we are quite by ourselves besides patty you must see that she is getting so intimate with foxcroft as to be sure of telling him just everything and i have no notion of that the officers have always seen us in the most agreeable manner possible and what with my clever little suppers and my dear relationship to the general it is sure and certain that we count for people of consequence with them which may be a great advantage to us all let us meet them where we will that's enough and to spare mamma said miss patty venturing to bestow upon her female parent the sulkiness generated by the decision of her father for pity's sake don't go preaching on any longer if i mustn't have a friend to speak to i mustn't and there's an end of that only i hope we are not to stay much longer in this beastly stupid place i am as tired as tired of it and with these words the young lady made her exit slamming the door after her with considerable energy she had no great difficulty on reaching the parlour again to read on the countenance of her friend the hopes and expectations to which her own sudden departure had given rise and spite of the lecture she had just received she scrupled not to confess that she had asked for leave to invite her and had been refused her manner of confessing this however showed the species of inherited talent she possessed as much as it did her filial obedience to the spirit as well as to the letter of her instructions i would have given anything matilda to have got you to stay with me she said but mamma's notions are always so grand about everything that she won't ask you because she hasn't a fine handsome bedroom to put you in oh dear me i hope she would not mind that with such an intimate friend as i am exclaimed the affectionate matilda almost sobbing with eagerness there's no good thinking any more about it my dear replied patty decisively it's no go and all because of the bedroom being little rejoined matilda with a groan oh patty i'd sleep upon the floor with a blanket around me with joy and gladness that i would yes patty or without a blanket either rather than go away from you that i would the excited feelings of the disappointed lady here overpowered her and she burst into tears it is folly and nonsense crying about it matilda said patty with less of sympathizing softness than her friend might have wished that's not my way they never make me cry now let them do or say what they will i always get my own way when i can and when i cannot which isn't often i just snap my fingers at them and take pretty good care to get something else out of em before i've done miss matilda here took miss louisa aside to the farthest corner of the room and consulted her in a whisper as to the possibility of her continuing to occupy their present bedroom for a week or two longer my dear child 
replied the tender-hearted elder sister there is nothing i would not do to help you but you know we have reckoned the money over and over and that there will be when all's paid but just enough to take us to our own door and not a penny to spare i wish to heaven you had not bought that blue silk gown matilda there is no good in taunting me with that now louisa i had the best of motives for it and it is cruel to throw it at me at the very moment too when i am within such a hair's breadth of making it answer dear dear louisa do try to help me think what a thing it would be for both of us if i was to marry what can i do matilda replied the elder i can't do miracles you know but after a moment's consideration she added there is but one way i can think of and that's one i don't like at all i suppose we might leave the shoe bill till next year good heavens to be sure we might replied matilda with recovered spirits and suddenly giving her sister a most cordial kiss there is nobody of any fashion as we all know who does not leave bills everywhere then suddenly approaching patty who despite the unfavourable state of the atmosphere was employed as usual in making experiments with the telescope and addressing her in a tone that expressed both tenderness and gaiety she said my darling patty i do positively think it would break my heart to part with you a single hour before i was absolutely forced to do it and louisa says that of course i could keep on my own bedroom if that was all considerably alarmed by this pertinacity which appeared very likely to bring her into a scrape patty replied rather abruptly yes my dear but it is not all papa is every bit as proud as mamma and he says that nothing in the world should ever make him invite any one to stay with us without having any servants footmen you know and all that so it is no good to say any more about it but my dearest patty surely such a friend as i am say no more about it i tell you matilda but run and put your things on and come down to the pier it does not rain a drop now to signify and i am pretty sure i saw foxcroft and willis cross over as if they were going that way it was with a heavy heart though with a rapid step that the unfortunate matilda ran upstairs to comply with this request and mournfully desponding was the voice in which she murmured to her friend as they walked along oh patty if we should meet foxcroft how shall i bear to tell him that we go on monday you must make the best of it my dear that is all i can say replied her friend but step quicker matilda there they are as i live just going upon the pier now they must have stopped somewhere or other since i first saw them the eyes of patty had not deceived her on reaching the pier they found the two gentlemen she had named beguiling their superabundant leisure by leaning over the wall and watching a distant ship or two through the haze of course the young ladies expressed some surprise at seeing them so then you are no more afraid of a scotch miss than we are said patty giving her parasol to mr willis while she tightened the strings of her too fragile bonnet anything is better than staying boxed up at home replied the young man and i suppose that's your idea miss patty as well as ours i suppose it is answered patty but i don't intend to stand still shivering like this i shall walk up and down just as fast as i can trot well then you had better give me your arm or upon my life you will be blown over said mr willis while mr foxcroft offered his to her companion in the most touching of manners namely without saying a word which always seems to indicate that protection on the one side and dependence on the other is a matter of course between the parties patty and her companion chattered away at a great rate but mr foxcroft and miss matilda perkins walked on for several paces without exchanging a word the lady's heart was beating violently and the gentleman's head was at work 
when an unmarried officer of the line is very hard up it is by no means an unusual thing that he should turn his thoughts towards matrimony but when conscious that his last birthday left him within a lustre of half a hundred and that his hair is a dapple between red and grey he confines himself if he be wise to the minor prizes in the market takes a special care that there be no fathers or brothers in the way and is particular about nothing save the certainty that the lady has got something and that this something is at her own disposal at the moment above mentioned lieutenant foxcroft was turning in his head all the facts which had reached his knowledge tending to throw light on the financial concerns of his fair friend mr o'donagough had shown himself perfectly ready to give all the information he could to which friendly openness he was perhaps in some degree prompted by the fact that mr foxcroft owed him a debt of honour amounting to seventy-three pounds but in truth his knowledge of the miss perkins's concerns was not sufficient to justify giving advice on so important a point and the brave lieutenant felt that he must be his own pioneer this naturally gave something of restraint to his conversation while on the other hand the collected tenderness of thirty-six years in a bosom peculiarly prone to receive soft impressions produced a swelling fullness in the heart of miss matilda which for a considerable time rendered it impossible for her to speak a word at length lieutenant foxcroft became fully aware that there was something dangerous in this protracted silence and preluding the words with a slight cough he said <clears throat> what a very unpleasant day for the seaside it is it was with a sigh which an actress might have taken as a model that miss matilda replied very again they were both silent when the lady perceiving by the green drops that trickled from her parasol upon her bosom that it would probably soon rain too hard for even patty to continue her promenade determined that the precious moments which were passing should not pass in vain and struggling to subdue the vehemence of her feelings that she might speak distinctly she said captain foxcroft this is i suppose the last walk that we shall take together at brighton my sister and myself return to our london home on monday they had just reached that end of the pier which abuts upon the sea as this annunciation concluded upon which the lieutenant stood stock-still and though the barrier against which the waves were rudely breaking was cold and wet the agitated matilda gladly availed herself of the support it offered and regardless of the smart silk scarf that perished in the act she placed both her arms upon it and remained with her eyes intently fixed upon the ocean the news she had thus communicated considerably startled mr foxcroft and plunged him in a very disagreeable dilemma for he was by no means ready to act upon it in any way he would indeed have been vastly imprudent had he committed himself either by declaring a passion or pronouncing a farewell for while on the one hand the lady's evident independence and equally evident partiality urged him forward his ignorance of the amount of what he might gain by proceeding kept him back his conduct under the circumstances was in every way judicious being in fact the result of great experience and a thorough acquaintance with all such matters after a pause which told matilda quite as plainly as any words could have done that her news had almost annihilated him he said is it possible it is indeed she replied with expressive emphasis another pause followed in what part of that vast wilderness will you be hid my dear matilda said the lieutenant with a truly military sigh we live at brompton was the softly whispered reply of course our friends the o'donagoughs will always know where you are oh yes she answered while her heart was torn by conflicting joy at this proof that he meant to inquire for her and grief at perceiving that whatever might be his future intentions there was for the present no hope whatever of a declaration 
such being too clearly the case and the rain now falling in such torrents that patty and mr willis had taken to their heels and ran home not without a little joking upon the tete-a-tete at the pier-head such being the case miss matilda perkins made up her mind to turn round and walk home likewise but even in that wet dirty dismal moment hope lingered at her heart and she determined to try what one honest open unmitigated look of tenderness might produce the circumstances of her position were favourable to the experiment for the plentiful moisture which encumbered her hair gave her face a sort of forlorn and melancholy look of which she was not wholly unconscious and which she thought might serve her better at such a moment than the tightest curls but alas there are some natures upon which the innocent little trickeries and pearly tears of tender woman fall like soft dewdrops on the sturdy oak they may glitter about it nay sometimes shine almost like a glory around its lofty crest but not a fibre is moved thereby nothing could be more expressive more intelligible more heart-searching than was this look of matilda perkins but it was in vain as well might cannon be expected to startle a well-trained charger as such a look to shake the firmness of lieutenant foxcroft this is a subject painful to dwell upon and it is enough to say that the two sisters departed by the stage on the morning appointed without carrying with them any consolation whatever for the imprudent purchase of the blue silk gown End of chapter eighteen